here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. At the bottom of the hour, we have Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy on the program, who lays into Nancy Pelosi for her dirty work in trying to prevent two Republicans from serving on her Inquisition Committee, Jim Banks and Jim Jordan, two conservatives. Because according to AOC, AAH, they were involved in the insurrection. Now, Each is a classless, low-IQ commie who should know something about insurrections. She embraces communism and Cuba. She embraces Hamas and Hamas's terrorism. She embraces open borders. She doesn't care how many people come across the border who are MS-13, who have the coronavirus, if they have long criminal records, she could care less. And of course, she's the leading light of the Democrat Party, which means collectively a dim bulb. And in the final hour of the program, we will have a dear friend of mine, Pastor John Hagee on the program. He's just fantastic. What is this, an evangelical Christian and a Jew, best friends? Yes, we are. I couldn't be prouder of it. He is fantastic. His whole family is. So is mine, by the way. And that is true. I wanted to mention something to you. We just got the New York Times information for the book lists that they put out for fiction, nonfiction, hardcover, and ebooks. In a nonfiction hardcover and nonfiction ebook, American Marxism was number one. It wasn't even close. We'll have numbers tomorrow and I will give them to you. You want to know why? This is you. When I started talking about this three months ago, and it seems like three years ago, I told you if we can get pre orders up to 100,000, I felt confident that there was a movement afoot. 
a budding movement. We far exceeded that. We doubled it. And slightly more. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not going to give up on this country. You want your kids to learn science and math. Literature and English. You want your kids to be prepared for the future. Not little fanatical revolutionaries brainwashed against their family, against their faith, and against their country. And you're not going to put up with it anymore. You believe in the United States of America, a real country with real borders. You do not accept what's going on in the southern border. And the treachery of the Democrat Party and what it's doing. You do not accept the American Marxist agenda when it comes to our economic system, the Green New Deal, whatever that is. You do not accept the use of climate as a political weapon by this spawned Marxist movement that is at war with capitalism and your private property rights has no respect for you as an individual or your unalienable rights. You embrace our history. You embrace the founders and the framers. You don't want statues pulled down. You don't want books burned. You don't want people canceled. And you've had enough. And you want to learn as much as you possibly can about where this cancer comes from. So you can address it. Because regardless of your skin color, regardless if you're a fifth-generation American or a first-generation American, regardless of your faith, we're all in this together. And what do I mean by that? You're a red-blooded American. Some of us were born here. Some of us came here. We're all red-blooded Americans. There are people who hate this country. They are psychotic. They are fanatics. They have contributed nothing to this country. Black Lives Matter has taken from this country. Its leaders have gotten rich off this country. So-called professors who come up with these phony books about critical race theory, they didn't invent anything. They're propagandists. They become multi-millionaires pointing their bigotry and their hate. There's an entire industry that's been built up in this country. Inside the Beltway, spreading outside the Beltway. Where men and women, radical Marxists among others, push their hate and dress it up. And dress it up as something else. Their racism. But at the bottom of all these movements is the Marxist ideology. Not in every particular, but in enough of particulars, as the book points out. We have to be willing to stand up to this. We cannot be passive. This is not a passing fad. We're on our heels. Our backs are against the wall. 
with corporations in America who we've expected in the past to stand up for capitalism. They don't. They're not run by capitalists. They're run by corporatists. And corporatists are perfectly happy with big centralized government and partnering with big centralized government and taking whatever crumbs are thrown to them. We've learned a lesson. Some of us already knew, but we learned a lesson about the NEA and the AFT, how these teachers' unions view our children and how they view you. They despise you, and they abuse our children. They are Marxist mouthpieces that push critical race theory and any other theory, with emphasis on the word theory, that the most radical elements of this society are promoting. The media. What media? What media? A conga line of buffoons, low IQ clowns, self-aggrandizing phonies? That's not media. That's not media. The New York Times, one of the most hideous, inhumane, genocidal supporting corporations ever to exist in this country? And somehow it's celebrated. It's celebrated because it is the newspaper, so to speak, of these various movements and of the Democrat Party. It always has been and it always will be. It's a disgusting, disgusting propaganda sheet. Disgusting. And then there's the Democrat Party. I've talked about this before, but I want to underscore the point. This is a party that's never embraced this country. This is a party that does not believe in Americanism. The party of slavery and the Confederacy, the party of segregation and Jim Crow, something that Joe Biden knows a lot about. It's a party that will do anything for power. So it moves from a party of slavery to a party of quote-unquote democratic socialism. It is a political party that uses the instrumentalities of government to steal our money, to steal our property, to brainwash our children, to treat citizens like second-class citizens and foreigners like first-class citizens. It is a party that is now openly at war with our economic system. It is a party that's now openly at war with our constitutional system, trying to pack the courts, trying to pack the Senate, trying to kill the filibuster and kill the whole purpose of the Senate. A party that rejects separation of powers. A party that accepts elections only when it wins. That has created a massive leviathan that passes most of the laws in this country. The Democrat Party, a very, very evil organization. Look at the Speaker of the House, if you must. Have we ever had a more tyrannical individual with a totalitarian mindset as Speaker before? No, we haven't. She votes for members. Legislation comes through her office, not through regular committees. She puts fences around the Capitol. They call in the National Guard. A little late, by the way. They call in the National Guard while she's trashing cops and law enforcement in other cities. She's militarizing police 
in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol Police, spreading her authority into Florida and into California? Have we ever had a Speaker of the House like this before? No. A tyrant. And look at the pathetic Chuck Schumer, who's hunched over, walking around, waddling through the halls. He has no majority. While they trash the framers and trash the Constitution, the Constitution gives the Vice President of the United States, as President of the Senate, a tiebreaker vote. So they use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. And Chuck's in a hurry. They know their numbers are are limited, that the next election cycle, you're going to rise up and you're going to throw these bastards out of office. No matter how many ballots they stuff, no matter how many laws they change. White supremacists. Have you ever heard that phrase used as often as you've heard it used in the last few years? White supremacists? They're not even talking about the Klan. They're not even talking about the neo-Nazis. They're talking about white people generally. Over 60% of the population. White supremacists. Are you a white supremacist? And if you're not white, you're black, you're brown, you're interracial. If you support the society, or if you don't throw in with the revolution, I'm not down with the revolution, then you might as well be white. Because you're told that that's pretty much what you are. Free speech is under attack. Academic freedom is under attack. These massive social media platforms that we were all encouraged to join, where they've made billions and billions of dollars without our consent, using our consumer information, selling it, trading it, God knows what they're doing with it. They get a special privilege in 1993 or 4, I guess it is. So they can't be sued for doing exactly what they're doing now. At least they don't think so. Free speech under attack. Freedom of movement under attack. Your own health decisions under attack. Your communities under attack. With open borders. And I can go on and on and on. You've had enough. I've had enough. Who are these people? What is this movement? We need to know more about it. Not just what we see on TV or here on the radio. We need to know more. We need to know who they are. We need to know where this is coming from. If we have a shot at doing anything about it. And we do. And it won't be easy. In fact, it will be difficult. In fact, the challenge is complex and it's daunting. But we red-blooded Americans, regardless of who we are, we don't roll over and play dead. Many of us have ancestors who have fought wars in defense of this country. Many of you have children who've died in defense of this country. We must not be the first generation that leaves our country worse off for our children and grandchildren then history will judge us as having surrendered the greatest nation that mankind ever created and giving it to people who pray to an ideology that has slaughtered more people, imprisoned more people, tortured more people, starved more people than any other ideology 
that evil and sick minds have ever concocted before. That's why American Marxism is number one on the book list. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I promise. I want to thank all the friends we have in the radio business, people, uh, wonderful hosts, wonderful program directors. Been terrific. I want to thank all the all the hosts who have been supportive on Fox. Uh, just terrific. And Suzanne Scott's been unbelievable. Suzanne Grimes over here at Westwood and Teresa Gage and everybody else. Everybody else. Thank you. Now, when we come back. It's a short segment. I didn't really watch the clock carefully enough. We are scheduled to have Kevin McCarthy on the program. And one of the things we're going to discuss, of course, is what Nancy Pelosi just pulled in telling the Republicans who they can and cannot have on this January 6th committee. It's obvious what's going on here. And Liz Cheney is in full, outrageous, preposterous mode as she gives cover and aiding comfort to Nancy Pelosi and the other Marxist movements in the Democrat Party. Shame on her. Shame on her. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Kevin McCarthy, as you know, is the Republican leader in the House, hopefully soon the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Congratulations on your book. I want to make sure <laughs> oh. every member, I want to buy one for every member of my conference. Wouldn't that you be hit cool? The nail on the head. No, no, I'm going to. We're going to talk offline. I'm going to buy one for every member of because this is exactly We're on the air now, you know. Day in and day out. I know we are. I know we are. It's okay. But watch what Pelosi did today. They this is what I want to talk about because power. this is unbelievable. Go ahead. I'll shut up. Okay. Never in the history of Congress, a committee, she wants to pick who can go on. Look at it. She calls me today to object. It's, it's, her, it's her select committee that just pure politics about January 6th. 
she doesn't want to answer the question why the National Guard was not there. She didn't want to answer the question of why they weren't prepared. That's the answer. Why did we let these Capitol Police down? Why weren't the National Guard there? They knew on December 14th the head of the Capitol Police knew what was going to happen, but they have to answer to her. She tried to pick and choose who Republicans could put on. She objected to Jim Banks. She didn't object when Jim Banks served in the Navy and fought in Afghanistan. She, she objects to, to Jim Jordan, who's a ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, who has oversight to this. I mean, this is her absolute power trying to control everything. Mm. So I just said we're out. Which was very, very wise, I think. A very, very good move. You don't have to put up with this. She doesn't get to control both parties with an iron fist, does she? No, it's the people's house, not Pelosi's house. This is nothing but a sham, and it just shows she was never serious about finding the truth. Now, you pointed out she's destroying this institution. She's been destroying this institution for a long time, hasn't she? Yeah. Now, people have to understand this. She has now changed everything in the House. She removed, which we've always had in there, that the minority can offer a last amendment because she, the majority controls the rules. We never took that away. She takes it away. She makes magnetometers of whether people can get on the floor. Members of Congress, whether they're going, they're already checked before. She brings in proxy voting. So in her pocket, she always has the vote. All right, okay, Remember wait a minute right there. Wait, wait, wait right there. Is that still in place? I'm fighting it in court. I'm taking it to Supreme Court. It is still in place. Why? Because this is the dirty little secret. If she didn't have proxy voting, Republicans would beat her on the floor because we show up for work. She's got members who have not been there. You know what else she did? She created this box up on top of the, uh, of the chambers with plexiglass. She allowed people that actually had COVID to come in because it's the only way she could win speaker. Because you have to be in person to vote oh that day. Oh, my God. Is she power hungry? What's going on with this? This... Uh birthing person. I think that's the phrase, isn't it? What, what's going on with the Speaker of the House? She believes in absolute power. She, she literally said to me on the phone, we, we, we had a pretty intense conversation when she told me what she wanted to do. I bet. And I said, I checked with the historians. This has never happened in the history of Congress. She goes, I do know this is unprecedented, but this is what I'm going to do. Her, she said, her members don't want these people. They don't have a right to that. She has destroyed the institution. The institution, I don't care if it's this committee or any other committee. I don't like who she put on. She puts on Adam Schiff, who lies to the American public. She puts on Raskin, who's objected to every presidential that he's been around, wanted to impeach the president before he's in. But I respect the right that she has a person to pick who she wants. Now she wants to tell who Republicans can pick. The only Republican that will follow her is Liz Cheney. We understand why. By the way, she's gotten even worse. Oh, my God. She is. She she's agrees. like lost it. She agrees with Speaker Pelosi. Now, uh, I want to ask you about this, this spending. Yes. I mean, uh, oh. unfortunately, you can't stop it in the House, but in the Senate, this guy Schumer, 50-50, they want to put amnesty in it. They want to put all the, uh, the, the destruction of our voting system in it. I mean, have you ever seen a party that conducts itself like this? They're trying to do everything they can in the next year or two because they don't think they're going to have power in one or both bodies. No, but always remember, Venezuela, Hugo Chavez came in a democracy and then changed it. Mm-hmm. Changed the rules, just like what Pelosi's doing. Packed the Supreme Court. Then what did he do when they declared? Then he changed the Constitution. 
they are breaking us. The reason we have inflation is because of the Democrats' spending. The reason we have crime in, street, in the streets because of what the Democrats have done in defunding the police. Then what they did in California. You don't get charged if it's $1,000 or less. So people just walk into the stores and walk out. Target has to close down. The reason we have gasoline prices this high is because he, he stopped the pipeline in America but gave it to Putin and Russia to be able to go into Germany. These are democratic policies that are changing the course of the history for our nation for the worse. Mm-hmm. And look at the border, for God's sakes. The, I mean, I mean unprecedented. And when I spoke to him and the vice president in the Oval Office, I brought up the border. You know what he told me? It was broken, and he's, he's fixed it. Oh, it is, you know what? Last month was the worst month. You know the, the worst month before that? The month before that. Then the month before that. <laughs> he's opened up the entire border. And this is worse. What does that mean? It means fentanyl came into our nation 300% greater, so people are dying. We are catching people on the terrorist watch list. And they're not coming from Central America. They're coming from Yemen. Why are they coming here? Who are they talking to? What do they have planned? And they ignore it. Mm -mm -mm. You think uh, that enough information is getting out to uh, suburbs and other places in this country where they're going to really go down to defeat big time this, this election cycle? I am feeling a movement I have not seen before. And you know what's most interesting, Mark? It's not just conservatives. I'm hearing it from independents. I'm hearing it from Democrats. I'm hearing it from Democrats' moms who are waking up of what's being taught in their schools. When they shut down the schools and wouldn't let people go and they put it on Zoom, people now paid attention to mm-hmm. what these individuals are saying and teaching. They are teaching you to hate one another based upon the color of your skin. Remember, I, I imagine it's in your book. What is a Marxist tactic? How do you destroy America? Oh, yes. You try to destroy the foundation. You want to hate the nation instead of love the nation. I mean, think about who they have in their party. Congresswoman Omar, born mm-hmm. in a country that wasn't stabilized. She goes to a camp. And what does America do? What America does best opens up her arms and brings her into this nation. She becomes a citizen. But what do we do that another other nation will allow you to do? You assimilate. You have just as much responsibility as anybody else. You become a member of Congress. Less than 13,000 people have ever had the privilege. You would think she would love this nation instead of hate this nation. You would think you'd want to duplicate this instead of try to tear it down. You think you'd want to emulate it because when she became a citizen, Abraham Lincoln was the liberator. Martin Luther King spoke of her dreams, and now she wants to criticize it. America is exceptional. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect. We strive to be a more perfect union. But they want to tear us down, and what they're trying to do is teach into schools. People are waking up and are not going to take it any longer. Just how I'm not going to take it from Nancy Pelosi. This is fantastic, and you should know we've been working hard here. Behind this microphone are millions and millions of listeners. They are organizing. They are rising up. It's not just in a school board here or there. There are plans to do a whole lot more. And I want you to know something, future speaker. I was involved in the Tea Party movement and the Reagan Revolution and ultimately the Trump uh, Revolution. I feel it. I smell it, too. You're exactly right. The nation. Look, this is not a popular uprising by the people trying to overthrow their government. This is a popular uprising by the people trying to save it. 
That's what's taking place now. This is trying to save the nation so the kids have the opportunity that we had. So the next century is the American century. It's for the people who understand America is more than a country. America is an idea. So when they see those people who crave freedom in Cuba and bring the American flag, they don't think it's racist to have an American flag. They don't think it's some negative to have an American flag. They understand what it stands for. They understand what people fought for. They understand that it brought people together. Same thing with 32 years ago when they went to Tiananmen Square and they built the Lady of Democracy. Looks just like the Statue of Liberty because they carry freedom of speech. They mm-hmm. understand the greatness of America, and that's why we need people to join with us. It doesn't matter the party you're in, but join a cause that's bigger than yourself because we need it now more than ever. All right. Well, we're cheering you on. Keep taking it to her because she's definitely trying to take this country down. Kevin McCarthy? Yeah, Thank you, sir, and good luck to you. All right, my friend. Congrats right. on your book. Be well. Thank you. Be well. He's more fired up than ever before, don't you think, Mr. Producer? This is good, folks. Because they are pushing everybody to the point, to the brink, where they've had enough. Even some people on Capitol Hill, where they've had enough. People who live on the southern border often vote Democrat. They've had enough. People who live in the most dangerous cities in this country, they have had enough. The good old days when Donald Trump was tweeting. Looks pretty quaint now, doesn't it, America? Looks pretty quaint. We have these autocrats. We have these Marxist movements spawned by Marxism. We have the Democrat Party that is the, that is the warehouse of these movements exactly what's taking place in this country when we come back I want you to hear from a mom at a school board meeting we'll be right back mom at a school board. I think there's over 13,000 school districts. I went back and looked in America. We're not sure which school district this is, unfortunately. But she's had about enough of critical race theory. And what you're going to hear is more and more people tying this to Marxism. More and more people who are fully informed with the history of what they're talking about so they can run circles around their proponents of these outrageous movements. Cut one, go. I love that we start each meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance, where we all agree that we are one nation, one people, indivisible. Imagine my disappointment when I read this material from a mandatory DE&I teacher training that states that America, uh, quote, America is a racist country built on racist ideas. It goes on to say, and I quote, privileged white people oppress people of color, and heterosexual people suppress gay people. This training went on to encourage teachers to, quote, use your voice and educate and share the truth about racism with others and help organize or attend protests. This hateful, divisive material teaches teachers to hate America and ultimately break every person down into privileged and the oppressed. This is the exact definition of critical race theory. CRT is not a noun as we've been using it. It's a verb. CRT is the action of a Marxist movement that teaches people to hate America and it segregates people into privileged and oppressed. Sounds a lot like this training. 
Blue Valley chooses to call this training DE&I. So you can tell the public and the state Board of Education that you don't teach CRT. You can call this whatever you want, the material is CRT. Here's my biggest concern. In the, late, in the last board meeting, you mentioned having DE&I committees at each school. What oversight do these committees have? What are you doing to ensure this material is not being taught to our children? Recently, one of you up there was quoted, Blue Valley is going to insert DE&I into everything we do, and we will rewrite curriculum to insert DE&I. If this is a material being taught as DE&I, it needs to be stopped immediately, and parents need assurances that this hateful, divisive material will not be built into our curriculum. It's absolutely unbelievable. The extent to which this brainwashing and indoctrination is going to occur, or is expected to occur, it is absolutely unbelievable. This counter-revolution is well underway. It is... It is in every corner of these schools. And but for the pandemic, most of you wouldn't even know about it. Now, I take it, how much time do I have left, Rich? When we come back, some of you have seen this report on Fox News, a a fascinating and fantastic bit of journalism on what the Department of Education under Biden and the Biden administration was foisting on elementary, middle, and high schools. And then, oh, it was a mistake when they got caught. Oh, it was a mistake. They were linking to a radical, racist, Marxist organization to assist teachers and administrators on, on how to teach racism, basically. D-E-N-I, every school we're going to have these committees. Does this not sound like a communist movement to you? Because it is. That is. I'm not going to defend the unwitting who go along because they think this is what we should do. It's the witting who know exactly what they're doing. And we're going to need to stop it. And this is just one of them. I'd love to hear from all the big mouths in professional sports what they think about this. I'd love to hear from all these so-called elected moderate Democrats go back to their districts and say, you know, I'm not part of that movement. Well, what are they doing to stop it? If you're a mother and a father out there, and this is affecting your children, or you're a grandfather and a grandmother, and this is affecting your grandchildren, you need to know who's promoting and who's not. You need to know who's trying to fight it and who's celebrating it. You have not heard Nancy Pelosi denounce any of this. You have not heard Joe Biden denounce any of this. You have not heard Chuck Schumer denounce any of this. They support it. It is promoted by the propagandists at CNN and MSNBC. It is promoted by the propagandists, especially at the New York Slimes, where they promoted Stalin, where they even promoted Hitler to the extent they could, and they also covered up big chunks of the Holocaust. And they certainly promoted and helped install Castro. That's the New York Times of the 1619 Project that wants to ruin and destroy the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We have General Mark Milley at the Pentagon today. General Mark Milley, uh, you know, we're not teaching uh, racism and uh, Lloyd Austin who acts like nothing's going on in his department, when a lot's going on in his department. This is a pernicious 
movement and ideology, multiple movements, that has already leached into our elementary schools, leached into the United States military, leached into our corporations. This is no joke. That's why they have to be called what they're called. Oh, you know, they're democratic socialists. This is beyond economics. So obviously that's included too. This isn't about democratic anything. What's going on in our classrooms, the the brainwashing, that's not about democratic socialism. And so we got to get our language back. We got to take back the narratives. And we will. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-381. So-called commission, this Biden commission on the Supreme Court is meeting. And we can't lose sight of this, and we're not going to lose sight of this. A good friend of mine, uh, Professor Barnett, will be here, what time, Rich? In about 10, 15 minutes, and we're going to spend some time on this because he says not so fast, and so do I. Many of you have seen a fantastic piece on Fox. Maybe if you're working, you don't have time to watch it during the day. Uh, by... Uh, Asha Asni, fantastic piece. And I want you to listen to this. I don't normally play several minutes of a Fox uh, news story, but this, this really is the kind of journalism that deserves awards. This really is the kind of journalism that I grew up with or my parents grew up with, and you really don't see much of it anymore. Cut six, go. Shortly, schools all across the country will be preparing to welcome back in-person learning this fall. But a closer look inside the Department of Education's new handbook exposes an alliance that every parent should know about. What is that alliance? Fox News correspondent Aisha Hosni reports right now. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Steve. You know, it's a very important question that really every parent and teacher should be asking, right? The money, where does it go? Well, some of the money we found out goes to tried and true programs to help kids back on their feet. But Fox News also found other dollars of of that fund might go to activists who want to send white teachers to anti-racist therapy. After a turbulent year of protests and COVID lockdowns, America's children are heading back to school, and there could be new lessons to learn. President Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan authorized $122 billion to the Department of Education for state education agencies. Ninety percent of that money will go to local school districts, which in turn must reserve at least 20 percent to address the learning lost during the last school year. The administration asks they do that by using evidence based programs like summer learning and after-school activities. But that's not all. 
inside the Department of Ed's COVID-19 handbook called Roadmap to Reopening Safely and Meeting All Students' Needs, the department recommends schools use some of the money towards race and social emotional learning. The manual offers a direct link to a group called the Abolitionist Teaching Network who will help schools transform. Abolitionist Teaching Network, the network that is dedicated not creating new schools or reimagining schools, but destroying schools that do nothing but harm black and brown children. Dr. Bettina Love, an author and activist, created the Abolitionist Teaching Network in 2020 to develop and support educators to fight injustice within their schools and communities. If you don't realize white supremacy is in everything we do, then we got a problem. Love wants white teachers to undergo anti Hold right there a second. This out-of-the-closet racism. Out-of-the-closet racism is dressed up as something our kids need to be taught. Did she say a word about slavery? Not a word. Does she not sound like a female version of Louis Farrakhan? Yes, she does. This is why I call critical race theory Louis Farrakhan dressed up as scholarship. And worse, because at bottom it promotes Marxism. That's exactly what this is. Separatism. Nationalism. Based on race. Destroying the existing white society. Get the white man. This is street thuggery for which people are being paid millions, making millions, an entire industry. And thanks to the NEA and the AFT, and thanks to the, the educational bureaucrats who run these school systems, and thanks to these passive ignoramuses who sit on these school boards, with one or two maybe exceptions, this is where they're taking us. Go ahead. Stop them from what she calls spirit-murdering black and brown students. So one of the things that I bring to this work is um, a significant history of trying to trouble my own racial identity and trying to help other white people. We teachers. have to listen to insane maniacs like this woman slapping herself around. I don't know what her head problem is, but don't project it onto me and everybody else. You work that out with your own psychiatrist. We're surrounded by these psychos and these racists. It's unbelievable. Go ahead. They're internalized white supremacy and anti-blackness. We also found the group... What the hell do you think you're talking about, internalizing white supremacy and anti-blackness? You know, if all of this were true, we'd have massive race riots in our country right now. And the vast majority of white people, which make up two-thirds of the population of this country, wouldn't be as passive as they are. So who the hell are they talking to? What the hell are they talking about? These are vile human beings. Go ahead. Activists across the country whose job they say is going into schools to dismantle oppressive structures by mapping. I'd like to go into schools and dismantle oppressive structures, Mr. Producer, like the National Education Association, the American Federation of Teachers. Can you think of more oppressive structures anywhere in a school system? I can't. Go ahead. Groups and coalitions creating media and propaganda. Education cannot save us. 
We must save education. Oh, thank you. We must save education. So they want to create activists, racist activists. Bring them in the school systems to monitor everything from what clothes people are required to wear, uh, what the classrooms look like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Go ahead. If teachers find school uniforms to be oppressive, ATN would send in their activists to help abolish okay, so, them. So let's, let's slow down. How can clothes be oppressive, Mr. Producer? Are clothes people? They're inanimate objects. These people not only spread racism, they are illiterate. Go ahead. You call us? We will fund an activist in residence, and he or she or they will find out how. They will do the research. They'll do all the organizing. Teachers and parents show up, and we dismantle. And, we and they dismantle. Them. See, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't she sound like Farrakhan? Or does she sound like an intelligent person? Go ahead. Hundreds of them around the country doing this work. Love has a history of making controversial statements on Twitter, like this tweet from 2020, in which she writes, mediocre, greedy, rich white men are killing us. It's mm. unclear how the Department of Ed chose ATN as the resource. For so so she posts that on social media. Was she banned? No. Is she a racist? Yes. And the Department of Education, which is now pulled back because they were caught by Fox used her and her group specifically as a reference to contact to help you to create the, the curricula. Go ahead. Learning. Although Biden's deputy education secretary, Cindy Martin, is an advocate of Bettina Love. Last fall, while she... Okay, was- so let's slow down. So the number two person at the Department of Education is an advocate of this racist moron. And she was confirmed by the United States Senate. I wonder how many Republicans voted for her in the Senate. But this is Mr. Moderate, Unite the Country, Biden, who nominates her. All throughout our government, he's picked the most unhinged, insane racists, propagandists, anti-capitalists, anti-Bill of Rights individuals he possibly can. From the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice to positions in the Treasury Department, overseeing guns and gun purchases. Everywhere. Go ahead. Superintendent at San Diego Schools, Martin invited Love to train teachers to stop spirit-murdering black students. Spirit-murdering. See how they come up with these insane phrases? Spirit-murdering? Now, by the way, they're not inciting insurrection. They're not inciting violence. No, 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 no. The Marxists in the classroom, the Marxists in the unions, the Marxists in the White House, all that, they're not inciting anything. No, they're not inciting insurrection. And by the way, when they're violent, they're mostly peaceful. We already know all this. Go ahead. What's interesting is that there is a legal disclaimer from the Department of Ed that says any resources or links they do offer, quote, do not necessarily... And now they put out a statement saying, well, this was a mistake. We didn't really mean this. Really? The Deputy Secretary of Education promoted this woman, embraced her ideology. 
the President of the United States appointed the Deputy Secretary of Education. This is who Joe Biden is. This is what he believes. All the nitwits in suburbia who say, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of all the confrontation with Trump and his tweets. You prefer this? The unleashing of racist, hateful demagogues on our society? You're paying for them. They're indoctrinating the teachers. They're indoctrinating the students. They're turning education inside out. They're not teaching science. They're not teaching things they need to teach. I'll be right back. Professor Randy Barnett is a law professor at Georgetown University. He's still there, actually. I think they haven't chased him off campus. Randy, how are you, my friend? I am very good, Mark. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. It's been a long time, but I call you in when we need you. Court packing is unconstitutional. This is a statement you gave to this so-called presidential commission on the Supreme Court, which is shocking to me in and of itself. I'm sure the Supreme Court justices are keeping an eye on this, and it could well affect them, depending on how they feel about things. Tell us what you you said to the commission, and uh, which is now printed here in uh, Reason magazine. Yeah, I uh, testified orally, and I submitted written testimony, which I recommend that uh, uh, people take a look at, because it's got a longer version of the article. And really, Mark, the argument is actually very simple. Um, and that is that uh, this Congress does have the power to set the number of justices at any number it wishes, and that number is varied from six on the low side to ten on the high side. For the last 150 years, it's been nine. But whenever Congress changes the law, it has to do so constitutionally. That, and you have to ask, what power is it using to set the number and change, change the number? And it's the Necessary and Proper Clause, which gives Congress the power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution its powers, including, and the powers of any other department, which is the judicial department. That's what it is, which means a law to change the number must be necessary, and it also must be proper. So we have to look and see what the meaning of necessary is and what the meaning All of All right, let's slow down, is. because you make a very, very important point. This clause, which is kind of tucked away, necessary and proper clause, has the court recognized this as an important clause? Absolutely, including Explain. in the affordable, including in the Affordable Care Act challenge. Um, in the Affordable Care Act challenge, five justices said that the individual insurance mandate was not a proper exercise of Congress's power. Um, you, they can't make you buy insurance uh, under the Commerce Power. That's improper under the Necessary and Proper Clause. Mm-hmm. So this now, is a very voted, serious. Cl- the fifth, go ahead. The, the fifth vote, Chief Justice Roberts mm-hmm. saved the law. By reading it as not being an unconstitutional mandate, he read it as being a tax instead. But mm-hmm. he did that because he conceded that a mandate would be unconstitutional under the Necessary and Proper Clause. Mm-hmm. Now, you're applying the Necessary and Proper Clause to this because if not applied here, then really, what's the point? Every law that Congress passes, it does under the Necessary and Proper Clause. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's how John Marshall talks about the meaning of the Necessary and Proper Clause in McCulloch versus Maryland. This is the, this is the canonical thing that the courts follow. Here's how he, what he says. Now, now, this Let is the, one of the seminal cases early in our history. Go ahead. Right. Let the end be legitimate. 
let it be within the scope of the Constitution and all means which are appropriate, which are plainly adapted to that end, which are not prohibited, but consists with the letter and spirit of the Constitution, are constitutional. So the first part of that quote is, let the end be legitimate. And it's very, very simple. Changing the number of justices to influence the direction of the court, to change the way the court rules, is an illegitimate end. It therefore fails the necessary and proper clause test of McCulloch versus Maryland. But wait, but wait, there's more. Because not only is it, is it unnecessary to a legitimate end, but it's also improper. Again, I cite what jo- John Roberts wrote, and that is that an end would be improper if it undermines, destru- for example, the separation of powers. And that's exactly what court packing is attempting to do. And I think the Supreme Court would see that that's what court packing is attempting to do. All right. That raises an interesting question. I have another one, too. Would the Supreme Court rule on what can be done to the Supreme Court? I don't like making predictions, but I sort of think they would, because this is their thing. And they need to be able to protect themselves. But, you know, Mark, before we ever get there, Mm-hmm. A law has to come out of the House, from the House Democrats. It's got to go to the Senate, and every senator has the power, to, a privilege, of raising a point of constitutional order. They did so against Obamacare. And once they make that objection, there has to be a debate in the Senate and a vote on the constitutionality of the law. You will, as well as I know, that there will be senators, once they know this argument, that will raise that point of constitutional order, and we're going to have a big debate about that in the Senate, and we'll see what happens in the Senate. That's way before it ever gets to the Supreme Court. First, it has to pass the Senate. But, Randy, being the constitutional expert you are, you, you've got to be concerned about the way the Constitution's being talked about. You've got to be concerned about even the efforts by uh by some in the Senate, by the majority party, I guess. Um, what it talks about, they don't talk about amending the Constitution. They just want to plow ahead with really no majority, and then they have the vice president vote. This has to be very concerning to you. What concerns me is the threat, because I think the court, the justices, I'm afraid there are justices that are already being influenced by the threat, like they were in the past. And so that's what concerns me uh, more than anything. I honestly don't think this commission was set up to lay the ground for court packing. Mm -hmm. I think this commission was set up because President Biden didn't want to squander his first term on this issue, on this on this losing issue. He wanted to get the three trillion dollars of money spent. That was more important. So So he wants this threat hanging over these justices. Well, sure. But he also wants to kick this can down the road. Um, I would be surprised if this commission even endorses court packing. I think it's more likely to endorse term limits for justices, frankly. That's the direction. I hate to tell you this. I wrote a whole book on term limits for justices. Well, you know, we don't we don't agree about that. Well, no, no, no. Let me slow you down. I know we don't agree about that. That said, depending on how they how they approach this, I may reject it. You know, if they want to use it as a way of packing the court or packing ideologues in the court, the hell with it. I don't think that's where this commission is going, frankly. I think this commission... Well, hold on, hold on. I want you to tell us where you think it's going after the break. Can you do that? Absolutely. All right. The great Randy Barnett, law professor, Georgetown University. I shall return.
verdict than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. Randy Barnett is our guest. He's a professor of law at Georgetown. Randy, I believe you were saying that what the commission is going to do is, and what is that? Well, I don't know for sure what they're going to do, but the first thing I would say is that they're not charged with making any recommendations. So that's not their mandate. They're not supposed to make a recommendation. So that's very important. So now, you're hold not on now, get a... Professor. You did yeah. testify, right? Yes, I did. You know who's on this commission, right? Yes, I do. You really think they're going to abide by that? I'm just asking. Yeah, I do. I actually do. The first well, of all, I'll, I'll bet a... you two bucks they don't. I, I, you're on. All right. Actually, I'll bet you. I'll bet you a steak dinner. I'll go for, now. That'll go for. I almost said the same thing. All right, a steak dinner. <laughs> okay, a steak dinner. No, they, they are supposed to present the pros and cons. Um, uh, of, in favor of the different reform proposals that they're listening to. So they're going to do the pros and the cons. And I, the witnesses that they have, are hearing from, by and large, I think the majority of them have been against court packing, including uh, left-of-center professors from Harvard like Noah Feldman and from Duke like Neil Siegel. Um, now, there's been some for that, but mostly they've been against it. Where I think they're going to see more pros than cons, and I already get that sense from listening to their questioning, is on court is on uh, term limits, because I would say more a majority of people they're hearing from kind of favor term limits, and I think that's even true of some of the commissioners. So they're going to get you're not going to get a recommendation. You're going to get a balance. You're going to get a report that shows pros and cons, um, and there is like there are like seven or eight right of center originalist uh, scholars on this commission which is kind of how I got to testify. Out of how many? Uh, out of 30 or more. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> imbalanced. But look, there's more balance on this commission than there is at the Georgetown Law School, I can tell uh, you that. Well, uh, yeah, there's more balance at the, uh, on the, on, in the uh, Politburo in Communist China than there is in the... Uh... <laughs> now, let me ask you, you're a very positive person, aren't no. you? No. Well, I am. Yes, I'm a positive. I'm a half-full, I'm a glass-half-full person. Mm-hmm. Because whenever we have these discussions, you sound like glass half full, which is perfectly fine. You know, people like glass half full. I'm definitely glass half empty because I see what's going on around here. And I'm very concerned uh, about it. Yeah, look, uh, I think that if President Biden wanted to make this a priority, he would have said so in the campaign. He would have, he would have not set up this commission. doesn't mean it's not still – it doesn't have to be the number one priority to be a priority, right? Yeah. It could happen, Mark. We need to fight it. I'm just saying – that, um, now, let me ask you, let me, guess, <laughs> let me ask you this. So do you think this, if this were, well, let me ask it this way. If there's a challenge here, and the focus is purely on the Supreme Court, I suppose you could bring it to a federal district court, and then bring it to a circuit court, right? There's no conflict now, of interest there, is there? Now, there are, there are actually some serious procedural questions about how you would challenge this. What um, do you do? Once it got... It's. I'm not sure. I've read yeah. some stuff. Re- I mean, since the, I've since the, in the last day since I've testified, I've actually uh, been reading stuff about it. Um, uh-huh. There was going to have to be a request for an injunction before any new justices take office, because once they take office, I think at that point it will be too late to do anything about it. But actually, Mark, I think the biggest threat here, and if you want to see how the glass is half empty, it's the effect that all of this talk is having on the court uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. That I agree. I agree. We're paying. We're paying the price for that now. Uh-huh. So they would just as soon let this hang over the court's head without doing it. Just nice little court you've got. Have you ever seen anything like Too this? Too bad if anything were to happen to it. Have you ever seen anything like this? 
Um, we're about the same age, give or take. Yeah, I think I'm probably a little older than you. No, we're probably about the same age. Oh, I hope you so, are, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 um, I haven't seen anything quite like this. I mean, I haven't, but, but that's true across the board, Mark. We know it we is, have, isn't it? Yeah, we're in, a, we're in uncharted territory. Um, and uh, I don't know where this is going to end up. You know, I've changed my residence uh, to the state of Florida because of this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the free state of Florida. I mean, this is that—that's a major change in my life uh, because of what's going on. But you can still teach at Georgetown. Yeah, well, I can't. I can. I have to commute there. Oh, well, let me say this to you: I don't blame you because uh, we're headed there too. And I just hope everybody who goes there doesn't start voting Democrat or we'll have nowhere to go, will we? Right, right. Well, I think, I don't know, you see, there's another glass half empty, half full. Of course, you're very worried about that, but then a lot of people who are going there understand what they're fleeing. Mm-hmm. You're a man of the law. Have you ever seen such disrespect for the law? Um, it is about as bad as I've ever seen. And, um, uh, and you know, it's we... There's, you there's you were a prosecutor. You were a prosecutor in Chicago, right? I was a prosecutor in Cook County, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so I have some idea of what corruption looks like from the ground up. Operation Greylord was happening right at the time I was a prosecutor. Um, but I can tell you what we have is corruption on a national scale now. Mm-hmm. What's happened, what, was, what it used to be like growing up in Chicago, that's what it's like in, in D.C. now. That's what it's like across the country. All right, my friend. Well, we do need to catch up. There's no question did I get about glo- it. Did I get gloomy enough for you now, Mark? Is that satisfi- Are you satisfied? Listen, you've got to be a realist or you can't wrestle to the ground. If you walk around yeah. as a Pollyanna, it ain't going to fly. You're not going to call me a Pollyanna now? <laughs> I like my steak well done, by the way. Oh, yeah? Okay, we've well, got to bet. What's the bet again? Let's just be clear what the terms are. I said that this commission's going to make a recommendation. And you okay. said, I don't I- think so. You don't think okay. so. Okay, there we go. Steak dinner. Steak All right, my brother. My best to okay. your family. You take care of yourself. Okay, you too. You, uh, you say, say hi to your w- lovely wife for me. If you insist. <laughs> I'd rather just kiss her. <laughs> yeah, but don't do that for me. Do that for No, yourself. no, of course not. All right, Randy. Okay. God All bless. Right. Take care. Yeah, she's terrific, my wife. This book wouldn't be possible without her. I get very moody when I'm writing books, Mr. Producer. Have you noticed that? I'm never moody, am I? But when I'm writing a book, and I'm reading these depressing, it affects you. And often I had to step away from it. And then I had to decide, do I want to really drag down the reader? The answer is no, but I've got to explain it in a certain way. And that takes some attention to how you word things. But you can be very, very moody. And impatient. Somebody once told me I'm impatient. Do you believe that, Rich? It is unbelievable. You want to hear something funny? I shouldn't tell anybody this. Which means I'll tell you all this. I don't think I've told anybody this. Anybody, including in the family. So there I am, a nervous wreck. And I'm going to ask my Julie to marry me. Obviously, several years ago. And we're at our favorite restaurant, Flash Beach in Hope Sound. Unfortunately, it's been sold. And I'm very nervous. And she noticed. She said, what, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm fine. 
And um, and I'm eating, is the way she explains it. And then I look up, and I say to her, do you know Sean Hannity calls me impatient? What do you think about that? And she looks at me, what are you, out of your mind? Where did that come from? And that was that. And then uh, the next morning I asked her. Because for some reason the people around me say I'm impatient. I don't get it. I don't get it! Oh, just kidding. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, I'd say it's well past time for a couple of phone calls here, Mr. Producer. Um, to whom shall I speak? Oh, yeah, my man Don from Lake Ronkonkoma. Let me tell people something quickly here, Don. Every time a new book comes out, mine or my father's, Don makes a beautifully handcrafted wooden stand for the book. Not just a stand, but a really remarkable mechanical stand, if you will. And sometimes he, he uses wood, as he did for this last one, for American Marxism. That comes off of truly special trees. Some of them have passed. Some of them have died already. And I always look forward to this. And little did I know that my dad and Don had a little bit of a back-and-forth letter writing taking place. Because my dad really, really appreciated, uh, Don, what you did for him. And uh, oh, but, and so do I, and I want to thank you. Well, your dad, well, both you and your dad were very, very special, and your dad uh, supplied books, autographed books to my grandchildren, mm. and uh, I never forgot that. And uh, your new book, Mark, is so special, especially page two fifty, where we must take it upon ourselves. Excuse me, to uh, teach our children and grandchildren about the magnificence of our country, the Constitution, and capitalism and the evils of Marxism. And I've been doing that all my life with my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my daughter came home from school, from high school, um, she, her social studies books had, an, had a passage in it about the Cold War and how Mikhail Gorbachev ended the Cold War. Little mention of Reagan, no mention of Thatcher, nothing about Ragevik. I was outraged. I went up to the school during a parent-teacher meeting, and I pointed it out. I go, what kind of, this is nonsense. What I wound up doing is writing my own textbook for my children, and I, I, I did that a couple of years ago. And I wrote about uh, Cicero and John Locke and all the people that you have brought to the airways, Mark, because you've inspired me all the years that we've been uh, friends for so many years. Boy, how many years have we known each other now? Oh, since the beginning, since the beginning of your program. I know we Almost met 20 the, uh, years. Two, oh, yeah. 2003, we were at the uh, Rainbow Room with uh, Mark, uh, with Sean Hannity, and uh, we met up there with uh, your boy and uh, had a great time. It's a long time ago. But, uh, we, were co- we were corresponding back and forth for years. You understand we're getting old, Don, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Here's a little grayer. Well, I, I, hey, don't brag. I want, to, uh, I want to thank you, your beautiful family, uh, and, and all that you do, Don. You're a great patriot. You've got a beautiful family, and uh, it's just very kind of you, and I want people to know about well, it. 
Well, I keep spreading the word about your, what you're doing with, the, with your books, and don't worry, I'm, ta- I'm taking care of my grandchildren and uh, my children. I'm constantly g- grinding it into their heads about yep. uh, the evils of socialism and Marxism. So, uh, all right, my I, brother, I've been in your corner for years. Take and care. God bless you. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. He's he is such a decent guy. And my dad took to him very, very much because he said, "Wow, who sent me this?" Just a very thoughtful man. All right. What the hell am I doing that I haven't pulled this up, Mr. Producer? All right. I need another caller, please, as I'm working on this. Say that again. Tom's River, New Jersey, Melia, the great WABC. How are you? I am great, Mr. Levin. How are you this evening? Very well, thank you. I want to thank you for the outstanding patriot you are. Um, I always look to you for information about the Constitution. I just want to thank you for all that you do. And I have a quick question for you. I had seen on Fox. True or false or uh, multiple choice? Uh, (laughs) I guess it's a true or false. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this afternoon on Fox News, they said that the Department of Education website had a link to some kind of abolitionist. You know, I just played it. What they're saying is that the Department of Education material sent to thir- over 13,000 school districts provided uh, a link that school districts could use, and they could use this organization to help them develop uh, uh, manuals, uh, teaching lessons, training. And this organization is through and through racist white-hating, American-hating, and in my view, Marxist. And after hours and hours of this on Fox, finally the Department of Education said, well, we made a mistake. Problem is the Deputy Secretary of Education was close to the woman who headed... He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You know, months ago, the question was raised here about Nancy Pelosi and security. We spent a lot of time on this, coming uh, respecting uh, January 6th. We explained who reported to whom. We explained public statements from the head of Capitol Police and others. We. Who's we? I explained what was going on in the Norfolk FBI satellite office with the NYPD. Information getting to Christopher Wright, director of the FBI's desk, but he hadn't looked at it. That the President of the United States, Donald Trump, had offered up 10,000 National Guardsmen. There were actually reports in the newspaper, I can't remember which one, but there were reports about information that was known in advance by uh, law enforcement on Capitol Hill. And I asked the question then, which some are asking now, because this January 6th committee. What did Nancy Pelosi know? And why can't we find out? Now, There have been statements by frauds in the media, Democrats dressed up as journalists, some of them actually keeping their pants on. And they've asked questions like, oh, are they going to call 
Kevin McCarthy to testify? No, a better question is, will Nancy Pelosi be called to testify? Will Nancy Pelosi be called to testify under oath? Because this committee is a fake fraud committee to (laughs) to begin with. But did Nancy Pelosi turn down additional security? Was she not available to be consulted with when, when information was brought to the Capitol? Was information brought to the Capitol? I think we have every right to know. And I'm sure the intrepid investigative journalists at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and at MSLSD and the Constipated News Network and all the rest of the entrails out there that call themselves media I suspect they don't care. I care. This committee needs to call Nancy Pelosi to testify publicly and under oath. Publicly and under oath. So we can all find out what took place. We have a great guest coming up in a few minutes, Pastor John Heggie who's a friend of mine, and um, just a fascinating man, quite frankly. But I want to take some calls in the lead-up to this. Uh, let us go to, um, let's see, Barbara, Westchester, New York, the great WABC. Barbara, how are you? Good. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. Well, Mark, I'm going to tell you a little story. Yeah. I bought five of your books. Whoa. Hope you got a and discount. I got the book. Yes, I did. Good. Yes, I did. In between working two jobs, oh, I managed to order five books, and I got them. And um, Thank you. I made my list, and I said, oh, I'm going to send it to this one, this one, and this one. And wouldn't you know, I didn't get one for myself. Oh, I'll take care so of I that. I said, okay, that's no problem. That's no problem. I said, first of all, I downloaded Audible, so I'm covered. And then I said, oh, I'm going to go to bookends, you know, he'll have a book signing, and then it's a virtual signing, mm-hmm. and I work overnight, so I couldn't do it. And then I found out about the Reagan Library, but I had already taken vacation. So it's not about the book. Barbara, Barbara. you and your wife. I'm here to help you. We're going to give you a signed copy. You managed to get through, and look at you. You're, you're really out there. You're remarkable. So don't hang up. We'll get you a signed copy. Who are you giving the books to, by the way? Well, I'm giving uh, the books to my family, uh, mm-hmm. two of my family members. Um, one of them is my dear sister, and she'll probably never speak to me again because mm-hmm. she's a socialist. Oh, great. Okay, and I've known this for 30 years. Just tell her to read the and damn the book. the other one is, I will tell her to read the damn book. And then the other one is my cousin who just, just, Voted for anybody but Trump. <laughs> well, you got quite a family there. No offense. For. Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that Mark, um, it wasn't always this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost my mom about nine years ago, oh, Sorry. and uh, she was the rock. Mm-hmm. And if she was here, she would be a very unhappy lady. Mm-hmm. She'd say, "This is not what my five brothers fought on three fronts for." Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is not what one of them freed the camps for. Wow. And it destroyed him. So you It know, destroyed she, him? She would not be a very happy camper right about now. Now, hold on now. It destroyed your brother. Why? Because of what he saw? No, his, her brother, yeah. 
because he he helped free the camps in Europe, the concentration camps. Uh-huh. And it had and it an... destroyed him. He never got he never ever got over it. He couldn't believe that people could treat other human beings that way. He he just never got past it. It destroyed him. What do you think he would say today if he learned that for most of the Holocaust, the New York Times tried to cover it up and keep it from the American people? Do people even know this about the New York Times? Um, It's it's truly unbelievable. I had to bring that to my sister's attention. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, that's not the only thing they covered up. Everybody should drop the New York Times. Like, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's enough. Yeah, right. Well, listen, you sound great, Barbara. Don't hang up. We'll get your address. We'll ship that off to you immediately. You take care of yourself. Let's go to David, who is in Perth, Australia. Hey, mate, how are you? On the Mark Levin app. How you doing there, David? How how are you, mate? Uh, Thank you very much for taking the call. It's 8 o'clock in the morning over here. And I oh. just want to ring up and share a little story as quick as I can with you, mate. I just want to wish yourself and everybody that listens to your show and to share this with you, I want to wish you the very, very best of luck in Thank the you. war that you are now going into. I was actually born and raised in England, educated there, and I left there in 1998 because you could see the writing on the wall after Thatcher, right? And I came to live down Australia. And Australia is a magnificent country. But if you think that it is like the Crocodile Dundee, uh, Crocodile Wrestling, beer-swilling nation that it still pegs itself as, you have got another thing coming. The socialist cancer, and I do not use that word easily, mate, because my wife died of it, right? But that socialist cancer has spread through this country and it is absolutely devastated. We are currently in lockdown because these insane pissing competition premiers want to try and impress the electorate, right? I had a business in America for about three years in about 2013 to 2015 and a half, right, in Sugarland, Texas. And I didn't really want to come to America, to be honest with you, because I'd prejudged it. But when I came to America, I had a Nirvana moment. The light went on. And I'm going to try not to cry now. (laughs) But I realized what you are all about. And it's because of that that you have led the world. And if if the Biden train, which is coming down the track, if that runs over you, sir, we will never, ever see the light again. So I want to wish you and every single person that listens to your show, I want to wish you success because this is a friggin' war, my friend. Uh And if you do not win that, we will be in the global socialist nirvana. So I'm just saying that, mate, from somebody uh, that's been around the traps a little bit, am I? Very, very well put. Very, very well put. This is, uh, you know, we don't have any time for uh, Pollyannas here. This is, uh, this is absolutely serious. These are not opponents. They're not a- adversaries. These are enemies. They view us with contempt and hate, and they want to destroy everything we've accomplished. And these are people who've accomplished not a damn thing. They're just ideologues. They're punks. 
David, don't hang up. We're going to figure out how to get you a signed copy of this book, too, Mr. Producer. I know that won't be easy, but, but we're going to do that. And I want to thank you so much for your call. Very, very kind of you. That's David, Perth, Australia. We are heard everywhere. You can't escape us. I'll be right back. Pastor John Hagee is a remarkable man. He's built a remarkable church. He's an evangelical Christian. He is, uh, has raised a wonderful family. He is one of the leaders in what's called KUFI, one of the leaders in the movement for evangelicals to support the state of Israel, and uh, really is a force for, for such good in this country, given that there's so much troubling issues and things going on in this country. And he's written a fantastic book. It's called Absolute Power, Unlock Potential, Fulfill Your Destiny. Pastor Heggie is my pastor. I joke about this, but I feel he is. Pastor Heggie, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Mark. It's an honor to be with you tonight. Likewise, likewise. So tell everybody why you wrote this book. Mark, I wrote this book because it's a time for the people of America to be encouraged who are sick and tired of the bad news coming out of Washington and every conceivable source. Absolute power is written to help a person learn to transform every one of their problems into an opportunity for their personal success. Absolute Power is a book that uh, will birth a new dawn of hope to help the individual achieve their goals, their dreams, and to do that with confidence in themselves and in God himself. It will help you release your personal potential uh, to discover wealth and the skill of communication. That's communication with your wife, your husband, with other people. Absolute power makes the impossible possible. It transforms defeat into victory. Stress becomes peace, and doubt becomes faith in God. This is a book that you will enjoy reading. It will help you forget the fake news and the two aspirin every night you're taking so you can sleep. So rather than praying to government, rather than praying to false idols um, like uh, Marxist ideologies and so forth and so on, it's a fantastic book. What you're saying is, no, wait a minute. There are ways to find your way. There are ways to achieve so much. There are ways out of your dark corner. You're just looking in the wrong place. Right, Pastor? That's that's absolutely the message. That's abs- don't let someone else predetermine your future. Don't let don't let your past control the present. And uh, sometimes the best thing that you can do with fake news is turn it off mm-hmm. and start thinking about the good things that are going on in your life. You have a, a chapter here, the power of forgiveness. Tell us about that. The power of forgiveness is one of the foremost powers in Christianity. Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you say that. Forgive us as we forgive those. Because the Bible very clearly indicates that if you will not forgive other people, God will not forgive you. 
Therefore, your forgiving other people requires you forgiving other people. The Bible says that if you come to the altar and you remember that you have something in your heart that requires you to forgive another person, stop praying and go make it right with that person. Because forgiveness is something that time alone takes care of, but forgiveness is an act of volition, and only the sufferer is qualified to make the decision. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Mm. Which kind of relates to the chapter on the power of your mind, does it not? Yes, indeed. The power of your mind simply, uh, in a simple sentence, would say, if you change your thoughts, you can change your world. Solomon said, as a man thinketh, so is he. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts are the decorations inside the sanctuary where we live. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances and to choose your own way, the power of your mind. When the Bible says, think on these things, think on these things. Uh, these are the, these, the, those were the directions of St. Paul. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, he writes in Ephesians 4, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Let this mind be in you which was also in the Lord. You are responsible for what you allow yourself to think about. You start thinking in the negative. You absorb the negative memories. You take someone's negative comments or feelings about you, and you let those become the dictators of your own emotions. Mm -hmm. It is your responsibility not to think about those things. You choose what you think about so that you're present state of mind and that your future is a joyful journey in spite of the resistance that you're getting. Now, Pastor Hagee, you just, by the way, the book is fantastic, Absolute Power. Uh, We will link to it, but also you can go directly to Amazon.com and uh, other locations. But Amazon.com, it's up there, and I strongly encourage you to take a look at this book. It's very it's very spiritual. It's very uplifting. It's from a very, very wise man. You recently lost, I guess, your best friend, correct? A rabbi yes. uh, just yes. down the street. Tell us about him. You know, uh, years ago, uh, when I came to San Antonio, uh, I really felt directed of the Lord to have a night to honor Israel and the Jewish people. And it was because that um, the Israeli Air Force at that point in time had bombed the nuclear reactor at Osiris. And the blame America first, I mean, blame Israel first uh, mentality of the media was really blasting Israel and especially their leadership. And I told Diana, I said, America should be celebrating the fact that the Israeli Air Force is taking nuclear weapons out of the hand of this lunatic. And I said, we should be congratulating the Jewish people rather than condemning the Jewish people. 
So we're going to have a night to honor Israel. I'm going to invite the churches of San Antonio to come to the Light of the Cockle Theater, and we're going to do this. And when I made that announcement, uh, it sent shockwaves through the Jewish community. They were concerned what my agenda would be. I had never met Rabbi Scheinberg. And at that moment in time, he walked into my office and said, in a very loving and gracious way, he hold said... It, hold it, Pastor. I have really apologized. We have a break. Can you stay with me? Sure, I can stay with you. Because I, I, I want you to continue this. So you met this rabbi, and he said something to you. And I want to talk about that. We'll be right back. America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Pastor John Hagee is the founder and senior pastor of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. My wife and I were there. My mother-in-law and I were there. We love this church. It's a non-denominational evangelical church with more than 22,000 active members. He's authored more than 40 books this book is fantastic, absolute power. It'll, it'll, it'll bring you out of your stupor if you just follow some of the things that the pastor talks about here. He's founder of something very, very important as well, Christians United for Israel, a Kufi with over 10 million members. Hagee Ministries television and radio outreach spans America and nations of the world, and many of you watch it. Those of you who don't live in and around San Antonio, he is a terrific human being. He's got this fantastic book, Absolute Power. I would like to encourage you to go get it. It's on Amazon.com and elsewhere. So, Pastor, you were telling us about this gentleman who came into your office. Rabbi Arnold Scheinberg was his name. Uh, I had never met him. He is a rabbi from New York. He came to San Antonio, and he walked into my office with a beautiful, optimistic approach. Uh, to his fellow man and his deep and abiding passion for the Torah that made him an individual that you could not help but love. Over 40 years ago, Rabbi made an exceptionally courageous decision to encourage the Jewish community of San Antonio to extend trust to a Gentile Christian pastor desiring to support Israel, while the rest of the community was concerned. Without Rabbi, there would never have been a night to honor Israel. And that night to honor Israel led to a second, and they began to spread across America. In the year 2006, when Ahmadinejad started talking about uh, Israel being a one-bomb nation, I told the rabbi, we need to form a national organization of Christians in every state, in every city, by voter zone, and we are going to create a national organization that has the strength to help Israel and the Jewish people. He said, immediately, we can do this. Without rabbi, there would never have been a night to honor Israel the first time in 1981. Neither would there have been a Christians United for Israel. Israel that happened started in 2006, and the and the landscape of the modern relationship between Christians and Jews in America would never have been transformed. 
Rabbi Scheinberg was my the best friend in the ministry that I've ever had. He was a godly man. He was my partner. He was my friend, and he was my brother. And I will miss him dearly the rest of my life. Boy, you're bringing tears to my eyes here. I I, I met him. When was it, Pastor? Last year, I guess it was. Um, yes. Very, very yes. kind man. Very, very gentle man. And boy, did he look up to you. He when was you... all. He was always that way. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know of another man that ever brought tears to my eyes. But one on one occasion, we were flying to Washington D.C. for Christians United for Israel National Summit. We have around 6,000 people come from America, and I was reading the newspaper, and Rabbi was facing me in a seat, and he tapped the newspaper, and I put my newspaper down, and he looked at me. He said, just out of the blue, he said, I want to tell you how much I love you. Hmm. I would take a bullet for you any day to save your life. And I looked back at him, and I said, Rabbi, and I would take a bullet for you. That's the kind of friendship we had. The last time I was with him, he brought me into his office, and he said, I am living day to day, according to the doctors. But there are going to be five speakers at my funeral, my four sons, who are all rabbis, and you. And he said, and I want you to tell this city and the world about our relationship together, how much that we loved each other, and that love birthed something that is changing the world. Boy, I'll tell you. Uh, And also, uh, you have told me and members of my family about how you came to really love the state of Israel, your visit to Israel the first time. And uh, can you touch on that for a few minutes? I know that's not enough time. Sure. No. In 1978, I went to Israel with a small group of people from my church of just 18. Now we take about 600 every time. But in 1978, I was at the Western Wall, and I was praying. I had a list on my prayer list. And I I looked over my left shoulder, and there was an elderly Jewish man sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, kissing the Torah, and tears were on his face. I was moved, deeply moved, by his devotion to the Torah. And I turned back and faced the wall, and this thought flooded through my brain that was unshakable. That man is your spiritual brother, and you don't know one thing about him, and he's terrified of you. I want you to do everything in your power to bring Christians and Jewish people together in a non-threatening environment where they feel something they haven't had for 1,800 years, the love of God. That was such an overpowering thought, I just lost concentration on the other things I was praying about. I left the wall and told my wife what I felt I was supposed to do. And she said, however, are you going to do that? Christians and Jews have been at odds for 1,800 years. I said, I do not know, but I know I'm supposed to try. And try we did, and the door opened 
when the bombing of Osiris and uh, the news media attacked Israel. And I said, this is our opportunity to have a night to honor Israel. And that that took off, and it has been a rocket ride from that day until this one. It has been nothing more than the providential hand of God that made it all happen. America, you can hear what a wise man this is. And I don't really need to introduce Pastor Heggie to the country. The country knows Pastor Heggie. This is a fantastic book, Absolute Power. I want to strongly encourage you to get it. When you go to Amazon and you're looking to get my book, go ahead and uh, and get Pastor Heggie's book, too. It'll do you a heck of a lot of good. It really will. Personally, it'll, it'll make a huge difference. You can hear him when you just break bread with him. It has an effect on you. There's something about you, Pastor, the wise man, the, the enlightened man, man of few words but critical words, that, that draws you to the things that you have to say. You have a very, very special uh, uh, character about you, and you form this organization, Christian, Christians United for Israel, and it is a fantastic organization. You have millions of members. It has done so much good in the world. And you're really like the first one everybody comes to, whether it was in the Trump administration or the Netanyahu administration or whatever it is. Um, when they were in a pickle or something, they would call Pastor Hagee and they would seek his advice. I happen to know this personally. And I cannot thank you enough for the goodwill, for spreading the uh, word of God and for your friendship to me and our family and your beautiful family. And I want to strongly encourage people, it'll make a difference in your life, to get a hold of absolute power. And Pastor, God bless you, my friend. God bless you, Mark. And it's always an honor and pleasure to be with you. Give my love to your wife and your family. Don and I love you much. And you too. And God bless you, sir. Again, I want to strongly encourage you, absolute power. He's not trying to do anything to you. He's trying to open things to you, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Christian, whatever you are, it doesn't matter. That's what he's trying to do. And, uh, and he's very, very, he's just a very wise man. You've heard of wise men. This is one of the wise men. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pastor Hagee's book is Absolute Power. If you want a book that will uplift you and spirit you, it's not preachy. It's a wise man and a wise book. I would encourage you to get Absolute Power. You can get it on Amazon.com. I also want to thank you, those of you who, who just are tuning in. American Marxism is number one on the New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction hardcover and nonfiction ebook and the combination of nonfiction hardcover and nonfiction ebook. There's a lot of books out there about people writing about themselves or you know their careers or what have you, and they're very, very interesting. They really are. Jesse Waters' book is terrific, as an example. I'm not writing about any of that stuff. If I was, I wouldn't be pressing this book so hard. I've had other books before. The only other book that I pressed this hard was Liberty and Tyranny. 
I am promoting this book because I'm promoting the ideas in this book. I am promoting the revelations in this book. I am promoting the activism in this book. Those of you who have called this show are listening and you say, why? The word why? Why is this happening? Why do these people think this way? Why are they doing this? I try to answer all of that. And so now you can answer it. And you can spread the word. And you can be the Paul Revere's. It's one thing to debate and talk about Marx and all these other things. But it's another thing to talk about them, learn about them, and then do something about this. Which is the message I've tried to get across to, uh, to our friends in the radio business and TV business. It's very, very important. Very, very important. This is our moment. This is our time. We either fail or we shine. And we are developing this movement. And at the back of the book, I talk about how we can develop this movement. The big difference between liberty and tyranny and American Marxism, among others, but the big difference is the Tea Party was already spontaneously developing. They just came out simultaneously. Right now, our movement is a movement here, a movement there, a movement over here, a school board over there. We just need to provide direction, all of us together. We need to galvanize all of us together. And I argue in the back of the book how each and every one of us can make a difference in small ways and large in our own roles. Many of you have statesmanlike qualities and leadership qualities you may not be aware of, but they will present themselves if you take this to heart. You've already seen it. Mothers and fathers going to school board meetings. That is fantastic. And that is the beginning. It can't be the end. We need to take on the National Education Association, the American Federation of Teachers. We need to take on the corporate boardrooms that have turned against us. We need to take on the critical race theoreticians. We need to take on the colleges and universities that produce these Marxist movements and their ways to do that. We need to take on these front groups and these movements that are trying to destroy diversity and unity in this country. You know, I was saying to Mr. Producer, and I know it seems obvious, but when you start to think about these things, here we have a majority white country. How do we know this? Because we hear about it endlessly. About two-thirds of the country, and that number is going down every year. And it'll be going down a lot next year with millions of people pouring into the country because obviously our government wants them to, the vast majority of whom aren't white. Okay, fine. But the more that you teach racial hatred, the more that you teach people to hate people because they happen to be white, or the more you teach people that they are victims because they happen to be non-white, the more you fail to teach assimilation into an American culture, but teach to hate the American culture, you are setting nuclear bombs off in the heart and soul of this country. That is what you're doing. That is what they are doing to this fantastic country, these various Marxist movements. You want to be impoverished? Then embrace the Green New Deal. Because it's not a Green New Deal. It's a red old deal. You want to be impoverished? This is a degrowth movement that believes in contraction, in economic contraction, even though the population is growing. 
They believe you people, Americans, you're slovenly, you have too damn much, and so therefore it needs to be shared. And how is it to be shared? Get less. These are unhinged ideologies that are taking hold in our country. It's no joke. It's no joke. And so it's all kind of out there, it's kind of circulating, it's swirling around, it's dispiriting, it's dragging you down. In one place, in one book, I can lay it out, I can unravel it, and then I can say, now here's what I think we should do. And you may have your own ideas. God bless you, I hope you do. And for your personal situation, to improve your life, happiness. Pastor Hagee's book, Absolute Power, while you're there. Thank you for making this book number one. I'll be right back. No, I'll see you tomorrow. 